The Old Testament reading for our celebration of the Nativity of our Lord comes from the prophet Isaiah, the ninth chapter. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shined. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor you have broken, as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the tramping warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it, with justice and with righteousness, from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. This is the word of the Lord. To us a child is born, to us a son is given. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. Sing to the Lord a new song. The epistle reading comes from the letter to the Hebrews, the first chapter, beginning at the first verse. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. For to which of the angels did God ever say, You are my son, today I have begotten you. Or again, I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. And again, when he brings the firstborn into the world, he says, Let all God's angels worship him. Of the angels, he says, he makes his angels winds, and as ministers a flame of fire. But of the Son, he says, Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of uprightness is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. And you, Lord, laid the foundation of the earth in the beginning, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like a garment. Like a robe, you will roll them up. Like a garment, they will be changed. But you are the same, and your years will have no end. And this is the word of the Lord. And the Holy Gospel, which serves as the text for our sermon this morning, comes to us according to St. John, the first chapter. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, 
and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light, that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. This is the gospel of our Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And in the greatest miracle of miracles... The Word became flesh. All throughout Advent, we've looked at the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the earthly line that he became flesh through, the families, the people that Jesus came to us through, from Adam all the way to Joseph. We've rejoiced with each and every generation as the promise was repeated, as faithful people in the midst of the impossible odds looked and clung to that promise of the Messiah. We've anticipated his birth, looking forward to celebrating this day. And today, we rejoice. We rejoice that Jesus has come to us in the flesh. All the promises throughout the genealogy, from Adam to Abraham to Shealtiel to Joseph, all of them were fulfilled in the birth of Jesus Christ. God kept his word, sent the Messiah just as he had promised for thousands of years, and we rejoice in that fact today. But why? Why exactly should we celebrate this particular child? I mean, there were plenty of other children born of almost identical lineage. Jesus may well have had earthly brothers and sisters by Joseph and Mary. So why do we decorate? Why do we put up lights? Why do we sing carols and gather together in the evening and on special days to celebrate his birthday some 2,000 years after it happened? Well, we celebrate because he was not just of the line of Adam. Jesus Christ, while he came to us through that earthly line, is truly the Son of God. This is how Luke ends his genealogy. After listing the earthly family, after naming off all of the people that Jesus was born through, he makes that bold proclamation, the Son of God. Jesus is not just a really good man, as some people claim. He's not just a guy who came and taught us a new way, taught us to chill out and treat each other with respect and love and hugs. No, he is a perfect man, a sinless man, holy. He alone in the history of the world was born in the flesh, 
without sin, without flaw, without blemish. He alone was truly holy and righteous, truly keeping God's law perfectly, not corrupted by sin in any way as we all are. It doesn't matter how good you are. It doesn't matter how great you might think somebody else is. It doesn't matter how nice they look on the outside. We are all by nature sinful and unclean. The sin of Adam and Eve has been passed on through every name in that genealogy, through every name in our ancestry, through every single person in the world. Sin reigns in this world, and we are all corrupted by it. No man who was born of woman is without sin, except for Jesus Christ. He and he alone is without guilt and iniquity, blameless in the eyes of God, never once sinning in thought, word, or deed. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is absolute flawless perfection. He is holy God in our mortal flesh. He is Emmanuel, God with us. And that's not just a fancy title, not just a a reverent thing to call him. He is God in our flesh with us. He came to us as promised, was born of the Virgin Mary, the perfect, sinless, holy God himself in the flesh, in the manger, in Bethlehem. But the question remains, why do we celebrate his birth? Why do we celebrate so much the birth of this person? If he's just a holy person, what good does that do us? I mean, we can never walk in his footsteps. We can never match his perfection. We could never turn our filthy, sinful lives into the holiness that he alone had. So why do we rejoice? Well, had Jesus just come to us as the Son of God to walk among us, to show us a better way, to show, hey, look, guys, it can be done, and this is how you do it, well, we would still be lost and condemned creatures. But we are not. This baby was born not just to give us pleasant feelings, not just to set a really good example. Jesus, the Son of God, was born to take our place completely beneath the wrath of God. Had he not been born of an earthly family, he would not have been truly one of us, would not have been able to take our place, could not have stood where we stand But had he not been the Son of God, he would be corrupted by that same sin that we ourselves are. And it would have done us no good to have him in our place, for he would have been just another sinner among many. Today and always, we celebrate, we rejoice, we sing and we give thanks to God that this little baby, this Jesus lying in the manger, is fully God and fully man able to fulfill God's demands of holiness and perfection, and simultaneously able to stand in the place of us sinners. He bridges the gap that sin had driven between us. He stands with one hand on both sides, standing in God's place and ours, fulfilling what we never could. 
And that's exactly what he did. He stood in our place as sinners. He walked among his sinful, rebellious creation, facing the same temptations and pains and heartaches that we ourselves do each and every day. Not magically turning it off because he's God and saying, well, I'm not going to let that affect me. No. Fully man. He hungered. He slept. He wept. He felt every pain that we do. But it's far more than that. As we sinners stood condemned before God, as we rightly stood beneath his holy wrath and judgment because of our sin, there too Jesus stepped in and fully took our place. He who was without sin became the embodiment of sin. He who was holy took upon himself every drop of our guilt, every speck of our filth, every ounce of our shame and rebellion and sin. He fully took our place, taking our sin upon himself and then taking the full brunt of God's righteous wrath in our place. We sinners were like people standing on railroad tracks with the train barreling down upon us, completely oblivious to the destruction, pretending the train wasn't there. But Christ came and pushed us out of the way and took the hit himself. All the wrath of God that should have been ours, all the pain and suffering and punishment and judgment that we had earned and deserved, Jesus took it instead. On the cross, Jesus experienced excruciating physical pain beyond anything that we could imagine. But even worse than that was the spiritual pain he suffered as God's wrath was poured out in full upon him. As he suffered the pains of hell itself in our place. Because he had taken all of our sin upon himself, God the Father turned his back on his only begotten beloved Son. How that can be, we will never understand. What that must have felt like, we will never comprehend. And by the grace of God, we don't have to. Because Jesus took it for us. Jesus Christ bore the agonizing hell that should have been ours for all eternity. The Son of God came to us through this earthly line to suffer and die in our place beneath the unimaginable righteous wrath of God. And in return, we filthy sinners, we who hate God's word, despise his gifts, we are given his full holiness, innocence, and righteousness. We mortals are made perfect we are clothed with Jesus' own holiness. We are declared completely innocent in the eyes of God. All of our sin has been paid for in full by the bloody sacrifice of Jesus Christ. We are covered with his righteousness. Our sin is removed from us as far as the east is from the west. All God's promises of forgiveness and eternal life for his people, they were bought and fulfilled with the death of Jesus Christ, the Son of God and the Son of Adam. His sacrificial death removes our sin completely. And we who deserved only hell and condemnation, we are given the free gift of eternal life in heaven. 
But the Son of God, he did not come to us just to die. After he gave his life to proclaim to the world that his sacrifice had been sufficient, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Son of Adam, broke the chains of death that bound him and all his brothers and sisters. He rolled back the stone from the tomb so the whole world could see that he had risen, just as he said. And just as he rose from the grave, we too shall rise, never again to suffer the effects of sin, never again to die. All who look to Jesus Christ in faith, they will rise to eternal life, to life in that perfect paradise of heaven that Jesus has prepared for us, that he has won for us, that he promises that he himself will come back to us to take us in his loving arms so that we can be with him forever. All because God fulfilled his promises to take on our flesh, to take our place, to pay the price that we never could. Jesus Christ, the Son of God and the Son of Adam, the promised Messiah, the one that the world waited for for generations, he has come to us in the flesh. And because he has, because he has fully taken our place, we sinners are lifted up to his eternal kingdom of heaven. We are restored as the righteous, sinless children of God. That's why we celebrate. That's why we rejoice at Christmas time so much. That's why we joyfully hear the word of God each and every day of our lives. That's why we gather together every week as Christians to receive his word and his sacraments, the forgiveness of all of our sins, the guarantee of everlasting life in heaven. Because just as he promised, the Son of God came to us. He took on human flesh, born as the son of Adam, the son of Abraham, the son of Shealtiel, to stand in your place fully and to take upon himself the guilt of your sin. And so rejoice, dear Christian. Rejoice this Christmas season and throughout your entire life. For Jesus Christ, Emmanuel, God with us, has been born. And by his cross alone, by his empty tomb alone, you are forgiven of every one of your sins, and eternal life in heaven is yours. To God alone be all glory, now and forever. Amen.